Hi, everybody. Welcome to uh, the Fundamentalists Podcast. It's... What day is it? <laughs> oh, I have <laughs> no like, idea. Okay, it's the 27th, I think. It's 28th. A week, it's a weekday? It's Monday 28th. We were a little... Oh, no. I left. I left town. So this is a... It's a Monday. It's the 28th of January. And this is a podcast that we do. Uh, me being Elliot Morgan and you being Peter Rollins. Yeah. And uh, it's called The Fundamentalists. And we talk about life and we talk about stuff through a lens of philosophy and psychoanalysis and, 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 and philosophy and theology. Yeah. I would say. Did I say philosophy twice? No, you didn't. Okay, cool. Well, you didn't now. But yeah. 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 <laughs> Philo- oh, thank you. Um, yeah, so. Because uh, you always get nervous about whether to call me a philosopher or a theologian. Yes, because, yeah. Which do you prefer? Whichever yeah. I don't say. Uh, which, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought. Um, so I, I'm. Uh, if, forgive me if I'm a little groggy on this particular episode. I worked out for the first time in about a month. Did you? Yeah, I, yeah, I've stopped working out. Um, and then I was going to replace it just with long walks because yeah. I like long walks by oh, the beach. That's what yeah. my dating profile says. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah but um, but I don't really right. <laughs> because I, uh, I I haven't been walking or exercising very much. Yeah. Well, you should get back to it. Uh, yeah, I think I will. Or okay. don't. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, I kind of like did it, and I was really proud of myself. And now I'm sitting down, and I'm like, well, I don't know about this. But also, we were having a nice cocktail to start off the podcast with, so it doesn't all doesn't really matter. Anyway, yeah. um, this uh, episode I'm very excited about, and but there's a story, there's a backstory between about why we're talking about yeah. this subject matter, and I can't wait to talk about the backstory that led to why we're talking about necrophilia <laughs> yes. <all things. laughs> well yeah so i uh, i took part in an online seminar last week with my uh, good friend connor habib and caitlin doherty connor is one of the sweetest i'm always happy to see connor yeah like connor. he's such a lovely guy he's in ireland now he's doing a phd in anthropology cool. and he's he's just moved to ireland to to do that so i'm never gonna see him again well, he's going to be back a lot. Okay, He's cool. going to be back and forth. And you're going to be in Ireland in uh, April. Oh, we should talk about that. We should talk about that. Can we talk that. about that before we get into oh, yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, okay. let's do it. I'm going to be in Belfast in April for this thing called the Wake Festival. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you know what this is, but basically it's a boutique festival that uh, explores a lot of the themes we talk about here in The Fundamentalists, maybe in a deeper format. Um, you are also going to be at this festival coincidentally coincidentally i will be there yeah I you also got invited yeah <laughs> uh you you got a ticket you barely made it in and yeah. we're gonna do a live fundamentalist there's i'm gonna do some stand-up um if i could think of some jokes between now and then and uh and yeah so i'm i'm very excited about it but um people should come if you're if you're listening and you are in ireland you should come and hang out it's my, gonna be my first time in ireland i'm incredibly excited uh and incredibly kind of nervous and stoked and just so so excited like oh, it's, yeah. uh, it seems surreal and kind of too far out there but it's not you know april's not that it's actually far away. not that far away at yeah. all we've got some great guests jameson webster who's an incredible psychoanalyst todd mcgowan who's an incredible film theorist and psych- psychoanalytic theorist we got barry taylor who's a good friend of ours oh, who's Taylor's. a punk theologian the coolest guy in the world yeah. and then we have paul curry who's an incredible absurdist comedian cool um we've got you who's a so-called comedian so-called yeah, yeah. and uh, there's absurdist comedians and then there's comedians yeah. which is the finger quote thing elliot by the way just told me about a dream he had <laughs> just just before we went live where what, what happened in the dream um, i went to i was like running late to a stand-up show and then i was like i have to do an hour and then on the way i was like oh man maybe, maybe i don't have to do an hour maybe it's other comedians on the show maybe it's not a full hour because i can't think of an hour to do right now because i'm so sick of my material and i went and uh they were like oh no somebody dropped out so you need to do an hour and then there was not a lot of people in the crowd, and then uh, and then people were there that I didn't want to see me do, didn't want them to see me do stand up that wasn't good, and I definitely just was on stage and like 
floundering and it was just like the typical like yeah, the typical sp- elliot morgan comedy yeah show. it was yeah. there's nothing <laughs> yeah. really dreamlike about it it was just sort of like a day in the life yeah. uh but it was it was the showing up to work naked or the showing yeah, up that's to school a version of that yeah. yeah it was the total just like being unprepared um and i think it's because my i have a boston show coming up in february and uh on february 17th at laugh boston and uh it is i'm excited about it but i'm so kind of exhausted with my material and i've been focusing so much on valley folk stuff that I don't feel like I've taken time to like write jokes, even though I'm writing jokes like constantly. Yeah, you've been throwing some really good ones my way. Yeah, it's fun, but it's not like it's yeah, it's it's uh it's not the it they're not they're not what I want uh, for a stand up. So I'm I'm just kind of I think panicking a little bit. The other thing about the dream, just as an aside, oh I can't wait. Here comes here here comes something about my mom. Bring it on. Um, yeah, a good question to always ask is like, who are you dreaming for? Because our dreams are usually for somebody. Um, in fact, you could say they always are. So whenever you fantasize about something uh, like being successful, who is it that you want to see being successful? Like who is it who's watching this dream? And it's interesting you said that there were people in the room that you didn't want to see. Yeah, the girl I'm you dating. Feel, yeah. yeah, I walked so, and I was, I was like, oh, is she here? And I was like, oh, no. And then... Uh, it wasn't her, but it looked like her, and I was like, Phew. "Yeah." So that that's it. That's that's a it's a got an interesting part of the dream is yeah, of course. So you're dreaming for that person. You're uh-huh. dreaming for her in a sense. There's there's something about an insecurity there that that's coming huh. out in the wonder dream. why yeah. what in the complex. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we won't so, go into that. Yeah. <laughs> that's too easy. <laughs> that's too easy. Um, so I was doing this online seminar with Connor B. Caitlin Doherty. Caitlin Doherty is a death expert. She's a mortician, best-selling author, uh, incredibly successful and at what she does beautiful woman does amazing stuff and uh, and Connor Habib who's a very close friend he was a housemate for a mm-hmm. while he uh, he's a gay porn star uh, but also um, a sex work uh, sex work and sex rights activist mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know intellectual as well so it was me him and, uh, and Caitlin we were doing a course called God sex and death but we each took our a different area from our area of expertise. So, so Connor you took didn't God. get sex. So I didn't get sex. No, <laughs> I didn't get sex. Uh, but God is supposedly my expertise. So I got death. Yeah. Caitlin got sex, and Connor yeah. got God. Interesting. Yeah, and Caitlin started off, and of course it was very good because Caitlin said, "Listen, you, I'm supposed to talk about sex, but uh, you can't get away from your love and her love for death." So she said, "I ended up googling a lot about necrophilia." bringing her two passions together sure um and that's what you do yeah and she was saying how you know rife necrophilia is in the animal kingdom uh and one example is that there was a famous picture of a kangaroo that had recently died and this other kangaroo uh her mate was holding her head and the picture almost looked religious it was like mary holding the head of christ Mm -hmm. after the crucifixion and this this picture went around the internet people loved it it showed the the caring of mourning. animals and all mm-hmm. of that yeah, and mourning almost a ritual thing too of yeah. Like holding it and, yeah this isn't just it. this isn't just humans who mourn and mm-hmm. uh, who experience the loss of the other uh, but then some um, animal behaviorist experts looked at it and said well no it's more likely that he's just about to have sex with her that he's holding her up so that he can you know uh, mate yeah. and it's like it kind of takes away from the, the beauty of the picture sure. a little bit yeah and so she talked a little bit about necrophilia and then how rare it is in human beings there are very few human beings who have sex with dead bodies which is you know we have a lot of dead people 
There are a lot of dead people. And there's people. more dead people popping up every day. Every day. So it's a shocker that we're able to control ourselves. I know. Honestly, in my family history, death is like, it's everywhere. And yet here you are. Yeah, I know. I'm hoping I'm going to buck the trend. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so necrophilia is, not only is necrophilia very rare, but even among people who have sex with dead bodies, very few... Welcome to the fundamentals. <laughs> Good God. It's 9 a.m. <laughs> yeah, 9 a.m. But very few people who have sex with dead bodies are actually sexually attracted to dead bodies. Oh, okay, right? cool. So it's Well, that's comforting. Yeah, so even among the very small percentage of people who have sex with dead bodies, only a very, very small percentage of them actually are turned on by having sex with dead bodies. Mostly... It's like the, marriage. <laughs> um, mostly they're attracted to just the passivity you know of the other that they're not going to be rejected by the other <laughs> right um okay so okay. i'm having a great time yeah. i'm in and i'm having a great yeah. time well then i'm then, only laughing because i'm incredibly uncomfortable <laughs> yeah well it gets more interesting yeah great yeah. um but then connor brought in an interesting part of the the dialogue and he talked about um objectum sexuality um, object sexuality where people are attracted to objects now, at an extreme, there are people who fall in love with their car. Sure. Oh, we've uh, all seen that video. Yeah. Oh, classic. Oh, is, yeah, there is a video of that, isn't there? Yeah, my weird... Well, there's that my weird fet or my weird fetish is or my weird attraction. There's some kind of... Oh, yeah. was like a TLC show or something, and it was like about, yeah, people attracted to their cars or people who get turned on by... Um, I've, I think uh, buildings is another one you can get turned on by your blanket. There, there's all sorts of, yeah. yeah. I saw a bunch of... It's an of infinite variety. Mm -hmm. It's one of those shows, I guess, where you kind of watch it pretending that it's a, a, educating you, but you really just want to see crazy stuff. Exactly, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, that's... A, and, and there's less extreme versions of it. I mean, obviously, fetishism is a, is a form of being sexually... Uh, attracted to an object, mm -hmm. right? But um, that's more common, objectum sexuality. But then my point... Which is what happened is as I was listening to this conversation, I was like, oh, hold on a second. While there's very few people who are necrophiliacs, actually, this is a very, very common psychic structure that many people either want to be the necrophiliac or the corpse, right? In fact, that covers oh boy. I think, 90% of people. Here we go. Yep. Um, oh boy. Right? In that, now we're getting into it. Now we're getting into it. That for mm. obsessives, you think of the typical obsessive. An obsessive is someone who is desiring of someone else insofar as their subjectivity is diminished. So yeah. you can project onto the person whatever you want, right? And the more you get close to the subjectivity of the other, the less attracted you are to them. So it's very hard for some people to have sex with the living, right? It's easy to have sex with a dead person who happens to be alive, i.e., as someone who is physically there, a warm body that's breathing, but their subjectivity, their political, religious, cultural views are kind of hidden. It is easier to uh, orgasm with someone you sometimes that you don't give a crap about than it is with someone who yes. you are intimate and are connected with on a deep level. Yes, that's it. And that's, that's the obsessive finds that. But then, interestingly, which we didn't get into in the course, I was thinking about the hysteric is the opposite. The hysteric is the person who wants to be the corpse, i.e. they um, kind of like sacrifice their subjectivity as much as possible, mm -hmm. becoming the pure screen upon which the other person can project anything they want. And you see this obviously in social media. If you are an Instagram model, 
yeah, the person's. You can just say my name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah that's that's maybe your next social influencer uh-huh. uh, persona. Yeah, I'd like to see that. What's oh, the name of the guy that. that you got me onto? Dan Bilzerian. Yeah, you yeah. could be him. Uh, that would be fun to do to start messing with my social media in a, a more abrupt way i just don't care that much to do it but yeah it'd be fun to make a little persona that was me being like anyway yeah yeah (laughs) so um but with with a model for example they don't give you much of their subjectivity what they think about various things because that would take away from the illusion um it's like okay so actually the the ultimate fantasy for many people is a caveman having sex with a barbie doll yeah right so a caveman think about it is somebody who just has sex with a dead body they're the primitive person who just has sex and they don't care you know they, they do want the yeah, subjectivity the brute, of the other the brute alpha yeah. sort of yeah. yeah and then the barbie doll is the one who is someone who has completely uh subtracted their subjectivity mm-hmm. from their physicality yeah. to become an object and so for many people um this is kind of a basic structure of fantasy the uh, the caveman and the barbie doll uh and it all just comes down to, for, for many people, you're either the necrophiliac or the corpse. This isn't necessarily a healthy thing, but it made me go, oh, yeah. Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> it's not necessarily best case scenario. The best case scenario. But it was like, oh, yeah, we can learn something about necrophilia in the biological animal kingdom that speaks to something in our subjectivity. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah. I mean, I get it. It's You're right. Mm. that's all correct <laughs> i 100 percent get it uh, yeah. there's a, a th- there's a thing in and this is going to not shed anybody in the best light but there is a certain element to like um objectification that is like not necessary i guess but it at times it's like if if you're a goal-oriented sex person then it seems like you're gonna have a tougher time sometimes when you start getting into the interest because you see like you know then you get you know the person and then it becomes like a thing and then it's like you're they see you too like if the like i think if my guess would be if the caveman felt like the barbie doll saw the caveman for who he really was he wouldn't be yeah he'd have a tougher time i guess well, see, that, that's the problem, is that the fantasy can be bought into by both both parties. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you either objectify the other or you want to be objectified. Uh, and that can that's true of men and women. You can have them on both sides. But it so happens in our culture, more men are obsessives and more women are typically called hysterics. Um, or, can, you know, there's other terms for it. But, but you can there's actually other, be probably more more... Um, aesthetically pleasing pleasing terms, terms yeah. yeah i quite like the harshness of them. yeah <laughs> i like I'm, i like the old terms yeah you, you like know. the old freudian thing that doesn't uh doesn't shed it sh- it definitely equally sheds both parties in a pretty negative negative like, like yeah, at least yeah. negative in terms of what we all pretend is going on all the time with all our little like flowers and our romance and everything there's still that that like baseline like no you're an obsessive and you're yeah we've talked about this before yeah. in, in and, the past, and you see and, it like in everyday life you see people objectifying other people uh, or people objectifying themselves mm-hmm. um, or you know a mix of a mix of both and of course as you say like a lot of that isn't unhealthy of course you want to either sometimes objectify yourself and have that you you ha- you're a free agent yeah you, you want can the freedom yourself, of being yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and you're a free agent to desire and objectify the other and if they want that objectification then that kind of works 
But the real challenge is how do you continue to desire someone who's not dead? Mm-hmm. Right? How do you not how do you have sex with the dead? That's easy. How do you have sex with the living? <laughs> yeah, sex with the dead is easy to do. Yeah. yeah. No, I've done yeah, everyone, everyone's done, done that. that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I've definitely done that. Yeah. All right. Now I see now this is what this is prime time uh this podcast because it's for sure i was like i was so excited about this subject because i was like hell yeah i was like i want we've done so many episodes where it's me doing a therapy session and you doing a history lesson or a (laughs) philosophy lesson and i was like hell yeah i was like we're gonna talk about necrophilia i was like i can't relate to that and the moment you started talking like god dang it i know what he's doing i know what's happening right now (laughs) and now i have to I'm like I wanted a couple episodes where it was me, uh, where it was just I was completely detached yes. and more just interviewing. Yes, I wasn't I gonna see, say I it, but I was like, point, like, I'm definitely not a necrophiliac. Yeah, I can't, yeah. this cannot be personal. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this can't relate to me in any way, and it can't relate to anybody. And then I'm like, oh, okay, here it goes. Here, here we go. Here, here Rollins comes with his back on his bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> my uh, my favorite phrase uh, of late. But anyway, yeah. So yeah, uh, I I think everyone can kind of. It's a very tough thing to talk about, especially as if you are on the obsessive end of things, if you're a dude, you don't, it's not fun to admit some of the primal, like, things that happen on it in a, in a mental level. Like, it's not enjoy, and it's not, also, I don't think the best thing ever. Like, there's certain things that I think are, like, it's interesting to talk about it during a podcast, but there's an element to the um, pretending that's not the case, yeah. the pretending these things aren't there that I think is also kind of part of it that is I like a lot. There are people, I think, who maybe wear the stuff on their sleeves or they're, you know, the, the Dan Bilzerian caveman type whatever, who yeah. are just like, this is what I like. And it's yeah. like, that's fun, but... Well, you, yeah. s- you see that, actually, that's, he's a great example. What's his name again? Dan. Dan Bilzerian. Dan, I, why do I not remember that? Dan Bilzerian. You probably on some level do not care about him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I did see this, uh, the, some amazing pictures the day you, you mentioned him. Uh, and a lot of the pictures I noticed were of exactly this. Like, he looked like a caveman and it looked like he was surrounded by Barbie dolls. And it, what was interesting is you could see that that this was kind of playing out in a very extreme way. Like, it's, it, yeah. these are complex issues. It's hard to kind of find a picture that sums it up. Yeah. But, but if I, you were to... But if you were to find a picture... His Instagram up, is Dan Bill's area. <laughs> yeah. And the reason why it's so big, because when you look at it, why is this so successful? Is it does click into something very primordial, uh, not necessarily a good dimension of what it is to be human, but a, a dimension of of desire, of well, highly in, desire. In the way I learned about Dan Bilzerian was years ago, back when I was married, this is about 75 years ago, and we... You started fantasizing about him? I, I said, look, this is what I want. This man yeah. is what I want. He's a he's a caveman. <laughs> you don't want to be taken. Uh, <laughs> You're just a Barbie doll. Ravish me, Dan. Uh, <laughs> but, um, she, uh, yeah, he, uh, he was brought to my attention by way of hearing secondhand uh, woman after woman, like, basically my ex-wife would do casting for um i forget what it was but it was some kind of casting she was like a casting director she would interview people to like see if they were right for this these shows and she was like over and over again in the interviews woman after woman would be like oh who i want my dream guy would be like dan bilzerian my dream guy is dan bilzerian like my dream would be somebody like dan bilzerian i was like 
who is this Dan Bilzerian guy? But I didn't hear about him from like bros being like, hell yeah, Dan Bilzerian. I heard about him through women being like, that's what I want. Which is I get compared with him a lot, and a lot oh, of women say that yeah, about me. It's like, is that is the, yeah. well, he also does a podcast with a, a stand-up comedian and about <laughs> philosophy and everything, so it's difficult. Yeah, and it's hard. Uh, yeah, sometimes if you look at if I were to picture you guys side by side, it's hard to picture. Which yeah, wait, like, which one's which? Pete, Dan, Pete, Dan. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, well, um, that's a brilliant example. Like, you're just, here's the thing: we often think, and I would have thought that it was more guys, you know, looking at him and wanting to be him and all of that. But the funny thing about both these these uh, archetypes or models is um, that actually people of the same sex desire them. So for example, uh, if, if I say it, it's not a gender thing, like you could probably say 20% of men maybe aren't obsessive, 20% of women aren't hysteric, of, of the people who are um, neurotics. So we're just talking about neurotics at the moment. But in general, you'll find you know, a lot of men objectify and play into that image, but it's actually often very desired by by the by women yeah. or other men. And a lot of women, um, the women's magazines also uh, the front covers and the and all the inside pages are of Barbie dolls. Well, and there's a part I think that like, I mean, not to like whatever, but you meet the. Um I've met dudes in my life who are so detached from that, like, part of them that's the obsessive or the caveman or whatever, mm. that they come off so disingenuous, it's creepy. Like, these guys who you meet who you're just like, you're not that perfect, you're not that flowers, and you're not that, like, sweet, like, stop acting like it. And I, I get in my head with it sometimes where I'm like, okay, this is, like, I'm being overly... Um, nice and over, like th mm. that's a big movement right now and, and especially for men who are like coming up in the world and like aging and kind of my generation and a little before me where they're like figuring out how to not be nice and how to not be passive and how to not mm. be these sort of like quintessential thing that they think they were supposed to be since the time they were raised because if you're raised to be a quote-unquote gentleman which like in the south I was very much raised like you open the door you do nice things like you constantly put the person in, in front of you and you can get in the mindset of like oh my entire persona has to be wrapped up in goody two shoe, good Christian boy. And the reality is like the majority of me is good Christian boy, but then you meet the people who act like they're like these, I don't know, you see them on Twitter and you see the stuff that they say where they're just like, I da 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 da. And it's yeah. just like, you, you, I'm like, I, I don't know what it is, but those dudes, I, I want to just, just i get very angry i get what very kind like, of tell me the kind of dudes just, I, I i following you but that's when you yeah. said that give me more give me an example there are these guys who they get on um the twits and they start tweeting about things that are like presenting themselves in such a way as to imply that they have no dark side to them that they have no caveman in them that they have no that they're completely that they have grown in a, a, a uh to a level of consciousness and quote unquote wokeness that they are, uh, they can't imagine ever, you know, objectifying anybody. Uh, it's the yeah, same yeah, people yeah. who get on Twitter, get on Facebook, and they pretend that they are just like, this is how you should be, and this is how I am, and other people. Who, and you know, we've talked well, this, about this. Yeah, before. this is the, this is a, I, I, this is an example of beautiful soul, which have yeah, we talked exactly. about that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, for Hegel, it's a developmental process actually in in um, human evolution, but. It's where the beautiful soul is the one who can't uh, look at any of their own darkness or make space for that. And as you know, so project it out. So it's like the child who thinks there's a monster under the bed because that's a part of themselves they can't 
access right so there's but all yeah. these dudes pretending there's not monsters under their beds yeah. and that that yeah and that they are like when they see them that displayed if they see the monster and somebody else uh then they freak out and they become you know very like haughty is that the right word haughty yeah it could be i like who the knows word. i don't know but yeah sounds fun sounds yeah. like the right word um but yeah it's a you see and it's like there's a but at the same time i also like not not uh advertising that part of myself either so it's like a catch-22 and i struggle with that and i think that's part of being in my experience like entering into whatever you would call it entering into adulthood throughout the years part of that balance is finding okay what that part of me is a part of me that i have to like mm. learn to accept but also not something that i necessarily am like yeah putting on my business card and maybe and maybe then the struggle for you say you know becoming an adult <clears throat> which is increasingly you know, very, very difficult. It, it seems like we live in a Peter Pan generation, you know, <clears throat> where people want to perpetuate youth. But becoming uh, a woman or becoming a man is partly trying to find a way to uh, be desirous of the other person's subjectivity and objectivity. So at one extreme, you have pure physicality. You have just, you want to be desired or you want to be the desirer. And, it's, it, and there's no subjectivity involved, like extreme example. And that the other is spiritual love, which is where the other, you don't care about the other's physicality at all. You care purely about their subjectivity. A complete extreme, because you know both of them are horrible. Like you don't want to be, you know, I don't find you at all attractive in your personality or in your body or in any way. There is just some sort of pure soul of you that I like. He's like, okay, right, okay. Yeah, great, thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Cool. But, yeah, cool. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. So to actually enter into a good, healthy relationship is to find the way to balance how, object, how objectification works within that and also a subjectification, this, a, a, touching on the subject. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's not not easy. So you see people on on dating apps; they always just go through honeymoon periods. But as soon as they get close to the other subjectivity, um, or the other gets close to their subjectivity, they then just break it off. Yeah. And then they so it's perpetual uh, seeking of a new relationship, mm -hmm. um, and this only having the honeymoon period. Yep. But the honeymoon period is an important. Of course. Bit. And I do think the eternal honeymoon is possible. Who knows? Uh, yeah. I've heard that before. I've heard that the eternal way. honeymoon is possible. When I was first doing like counseling and um, whatever, and, th and just getting into therapy, th there's that like <clears throat> thing where it's like, well, you know, no one's really, really happy, and you know, you mm, kind of walk yeah. in. People walk into a lot of therapy sessions, kind of like having it all figured out. And I do that because I always walk into every situation thinking I have it all figured out. And I remember people being like, no, there are people who actually they can remain in that. Yeah. that space who knows whether that's the best thing or but hey great yeah. you know i'll and, take it and it probably is like i mean so like in terms of happiness and that i think in general he, the clever thing about someone like pascal he was like 17th century french uh, philosopher like absolute genius super brilliant. into betting had a, a gambling addiction yeah he did actually yes yeah, right yeah I did mean, he really no he no no i'm thinking <laughs> dostoevsky had a gambling There's addiction. pascal's wagers was just a dumb joke no no but pascal had an obsession with mathematics not with gambling you're right yeah so well i a, hate me for the joke i made anyway so yeah. it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um but he uh you know for him he was one of the inventors of or discoverers of what can be called uh an ontological antagonism which basically means that at our core, there is a type of lack or conflict, right? That's within us. And 
the reason why I'm bringing that up is uh, religions have always tried to either say that this antagonism, this lack is an illusion to be dissipated, or it's a real thing that has to be filled. Um, Wait, hold on, say that again. Oh yeah, so this, he, what Pascal called the God-shaped hole, that's the way he described it, oh, God-shaped yeah. hole. What a beautiful term. It is a very, it's a very, it's a brilliant term, very insightful term. Um, it's better than it sounds, because people, now it's used by people to kind of convert. There's a God-shaped hole and you should accept Jesus or oh, whatever. Oh really? They say that? Oh yeah. A, lot a bunch of, of turds, you shouldn't say that. God-shaped hole is a beautiful term. That it's just a beautiful explains, term. It just explains uh, uh, everything. <laughs> yeah, he, he named something, which is, to be honest, um, one of the, one of the big inventions of philosophy, which is, or the discoveries of philosophy, which is an inherent a kind of lack that we find in mathematics and physics and in human subjectivity, et cetera, et cetera. Fun. But uh, fun, 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 fun. That's a good. That's a good one. Yeah. Good so we, we should do a whole thing on that. Great. Uh, definitely. This is how we plan the podcast, folks. Yeah. <laughs> good subjects always come up in the midst of it. But so Pascal names this lack, and. You know, some people say it's an illusion, you have to just dissipate, or some people say it's a reality, you have to fill it with something, with God or money or fame or whatever. But um, the uh, psychoanalytic notion is, in a sense, you have to learn to love it, to find a space within it, to mobilize that, that lack in a good way. So weirdly, the people who are happy are not the ones who have got a fullness and a wholeness and completeness, but the ones who are able to take the sting out of lack. This, what's called in theology, taking the sting out of death, right? The sting out of lack. You kind of enjoy the struggle. And so weirdly, you have to go to the dark place. You have to go into nihilism to get beyond it. That was Nietzsche's big, ins one of his big insights, that if you want to, you want to get beyond nihilism, you have to, you have to embrace it. Mm -hmm. you, have to, you have to feel it tremor within your body. Well, Pete, there is a beautiful lyric from the band Jimmy Eat World. Yeah. Um, I knew one of the guys from Jimmy Eat World. Is it Jimmy? Now, here's the embarrassing thing. We've, we've hung out a few times, and he's a friend of Rob's. He's a friend of mine, and I, I forget his name off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, well, if you know Jim Atkins from Jimmy Eat World, and you have, you're telling me right now, we're going to have an argument after the door. Yeah. <laughs> he's a really nice guy. But you know this about me. I always forget names of uh, people. You do, dude. You you watched the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers and had no idea you were watching Oh, yes, right. Yeah. He was a lo lovely guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm no sure idea. he was. Uh, yeah. I he, was actually thinking because he said he was into sports and I was like, like yeah, that's fine, but it's, it's hard to make money out of that. Yeah, yeah. And he was with his girlfriend at the time was an actress and I was like saying to her, yeah, it's tough being an actress. Yeah. But it turns out she was actually quite successful. Yeah, yeah. She's actually quite successful. Yeah. yeah. That, that everyone will now knows who you're talking about i definitely don't have any stand-up bits about her so anyway <laughs> uh we uh they have a lyric where they uh it's a song called through and he says the only way out is through mm -hmm. and that's exactly a neat very like it feels very nihilistic like the only way to get through yeah. the idea of being like everything is meaningless is to be like stop saying everything is meaningless and start internalizing it and you'll have a great time which is why i get very frustrated with people when they're like life is meaningless and like nothing yeah. matters and i'm like i don't believe you yes because yeah. if you if i truly believed you you wouldn't be feeling that yeah. way like P people think people think that's where philosophy ends like a lot of people think philosophy ends with nihilism and skepticism i.e you eventually get to the point where you go there is no way to claim anything but it's like no philosophy starts there like so the goth the person who lights a black candle listens to the grateful dead and enjoys their suffering My saturday night yeah. exactly yeah i'm expressing it perfectly yeah. is uh that's that is an important actually experience to have and i think for the person who gets into that it's good but you have to 
enter it and go through it yeah um it, you can't start enjoying it because that's almost as bad there's the fleeing from the darkness and then there is turning the darkness into your mood of enjoyment and then there is um a finding a space where you inhabit that darkness but don't let it uh drag you down i love that we should uh we have to do an episode pretty soon on the um experience i had with a, a narcotic recently we have to have oh we have yeah to, which we have to fa- i have to still process the the experience but then yeah we're gonna talk about it because it, it was very from- oh, yeah i was worried that you would come back and be like which you did actually when you came in through the door you said i see god everywhere there's wholeness and completeness <laughs> yeah, i knew yeah. i knew you wouldn't want to hear it yeah <laughs> yeah it's like oh you had that oh absolutely not yeah. wholeness and completeness everywhere <laughs> no just wholeness and completeness when you and take- a bit of sick and a bit of sex, yes. Coolness, completeness, of... God everywhere, and I wanted to just throw up a few yes, times. Yes, exactly. I got <laughs> nauseous. But um, yeah, it was. we'll talk about that at some point when I'm ready to, when I'm prepared to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so back to sex with dead people. Yeah. Um, because let, lest we stray too far yeah. from the uh, the title. Uh, any other subjects? I mean, there's object sexuality, which is the sort of like you put your sexuality onto just a complete inanimate object. Object, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is you know uh, and then there's necrophilia which is arguably even grosser but still the same idea you're still it's still a complete object um and then you're saying though that there are people who basically want to be the object there are people who want to be the completely like objectified thing we've seen these people we've talked about these people uh these are the people that want dan bilzerian and blah 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 uh okay okay yeah so it it basically it moves what's interesting this is one of the things i like about this kind of conversation is Whenever uh, Caitlin was talking about this, I'm going like, right, we're talking about something that is so far removed from our experience. So necrophilia, it's like, my goodness, that's awful. It has, that has nothing to do with me. And then we look at objectum sexuality and you go, oh, actually, well, that's a little bit closer. And m- most of us, many of us have small fetishes. You know, some of us have big fetishes, some of us have small fetishes, but we go like, oh yeah, I can be sexually attracted to objects certain ways that people dress up certain kind of things right you go okay that's closer to my experience i i know that and i like whenever someone dresses in this way or they wear their hair in a certain way um and then you get to this point where you go oh wow like i either in my family life i always sacrifice to my children so that in one sense my subjectivity my own desires can't be seen so you have the, say, the, the stereotypical mother who oh, sacrifices yeah, everything yeah. for their children. In other words, getting some enjoyment out of their own subtraction from mm-hmm. life. Or you go, oh, there's, there's people who go like, oh, I'm someone who finds it difficult to be attracted to someone when I get to know them. And, and I want them to be subtracted from life. So what happens is this weird conversation about having sex with dead things becomes... Uh, illuminating yeah. about maybe some aspect of my own existence, and uh, I, I I think that's that. Where just for plugging purposes and just for like logistical stuff, where is this conversation available that you had with? Oh yeah. Aaron? So I think I don't know if it's still available uh, for sale, but both K- Caitlin Connor and myself will be putting it on our patrons in our okay, cool. in our Patreon uh, things, you know, so you can get it there. And your Patreon is patreon.com slash the Valley Folk. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. if you want to see this necro talk, guys, head there. Yeah. Wow, man, very cool. Yeah. I like this conversation. This is fun. It made this me a little fun. uncomfortable, and yeah. that's my favorite kind. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. 
Thank you. Do so you have I. any like? Uh, oh yeah, takeaways. Yeah, takeaways. Yeah. So how are we doing on time? Okay, I mean this is a shorter one, but it's is okay. it a shorter one? Yeah, yeah but it's, it's fine. I mean, yeah. unless there's more to explore, you want to chat about anything? What's on your What's on your heart besides dead people? Besides sex? With well, dead we didn't people? mention wake. No wake. We, we did mention wake. I was going to say wink. That was a Freudian slip. I really want to talk about wake. You know, we could. Oh, we way, should wait, mention wink. Yeah, I will say something about wake. That Freudian slip's useful. Wake. The reason why I call the festival wake is because a wake is a death ritual. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an Irish thing that generally have a wake, which is after the person's mm-hmm. been buried. Everyone brings out, food, drinks, and drinks eats, laughs, cries. And the idea is by, by engaging in this activity, you're able to move on from... The mo- you're able to mourn and you're able to con- move on, but you take something of the dead person with you. Yeah. So if you don't do that, the dead person is forgotten, but not gone. In other words, you try to forget them and move on with your life, but they're not gone. They they come up in symptoms and negative ways. But if you're able to have a wake and mourn and laugh and cry and talk, you actually carry something of them with you and they become part of you in a healthy way, not an unhealthy way. So I call wake, wake, because we're often letting something dead go. Um, now that's not connected with necrophilia so much because but it's still death though. It's but it's nice. still death. Yeah, yeah. It's still death. And um, no, yeah, I think people know where you're going with that. Yeah. I don't think people think, I don't think people think wake topic. is a necrophilia yeah. festival. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it yeah. could be. Although we to... do a little bit of that as well. Of course. Um, well, yeah, you gotta have a good time. Yeah, what yeah, are you gonna yeah. do? It's not after, can't all be after a few academia. drinks. <laughs> that's always where it goes. Isn't that? Like yeah. you know, you have a few drinks, one o'clock in the morning, you're having who sex with dead animals. Who has it once? Yeah. Who at one a.m. doesn't want to have sex with a dead person? Tell me who among us cast the first stone um yeah that's very fun man well i love that uh and if you would love to support the podcast or like to support the podcast um and those of you who have and you've sent like screenshots and stuff it's so sweet and it's Ooh. so fun and thank you for doing that and you can go to trywink.com slash the fundamentalists and uh it's a wine company that's all it is it's just a nice little way that basically we use to pay for the editing of uh, yeah. of this podcast so it it, it goes directly to that that's it i mean like someday we will get rich from this podcast but at the moment it costs us money well if um, we keep talking still about waiting for like 80 dollars yeah no i just sent i sent you all of it i sent did right you now. oh no oh that's really annoying because yep. I, I was getting more value out of you not sending me it and uh-huh. me every week going to make you feel guilty yeah well the 80 dollars is not as much value to me as making you feel bad well i actually sent you the full 160 dollars so that we uh can put it all towards oh, the, all towards the editing. Yeah. Oh, right, that makes nice. more sense. Yeah, yeah that makes more sense. Yeah, well, that's I guess yeah. My takeaway oh, is um, way to make it uh, personal. Uh, way to make something I definitely didn't think was going to be personal personal, and it makes I, it's stuff that it's my favorite element of this type of podcast that we do is when it, it's such an outlandish topic that still can resonate, and I feel like it resonates. It's very beautiful um, in its own way because it's like oh yeah, that is what it is, and it's there's a darkness element to it that is embracing but not like making the headline you know like they're it's like just going oh this it's just turning on the lights it's yeah. just being like this is this is here don't pretend this isn't here don't pretend that sometimes you don't want this or people don't want this or that other people do. it's like i think it's it's wonderful so it's uh, honestly like as uncomfortable of a topic as something like necrophilia is and is as immediately repulsive as it is there is something to it that i think when you break it down like that is like oh yeah that does speak to to the core uh sometimes which uh is just me speaking as an obsessive so thank you and yeah my takeaway is i guess um are you the necrophiliac or the corpse yeah Uh, are you the person who struggles to 
uh, be attracted to the person when you get to know them? Or are you the person who struggles to show yourself to the other? Um, and identifying that is actually a good first step to addressing it. The point is not to get to a point where you get rid of that side mm-hmm. of you. Of course, that's not the big issue. But the big issue is, of course, that you want to show your subjectivity, your idiosyncratic dimension, your fears, your worries, your symptoms. You want to show that. And two is, you know, if you're a person who tries to avoid that in the other, but the, the truth is you'll never have as deep a relationship. And so in some way you have to challenge yourself to really enjoy that dimension of yeah. the other. So, you know, it's good to kind of go like, am I the person who always sacrifices, always gives, but in a way in which I'm wanting to subtract myself from from the world? Um, or am I the person who always wants a, a blank sheet? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then how do I challenge myself? When you meet somebody, say, that you really like, how do I challenge myself to allow space for the subjectivity of the other, right? Mm-hmm. It's easy to have sex with dead people, but how do we have sex with the living? Beautiful, I love it. Uh, and I also think that Are You the Necrophiliac or the Corpse is the, uh, is is the, the title. title, yeah. Oh, great, nice one. Thanks everybody, thanks Thank for listening. You. This Appreciate has been a fun it. one. Thank you, Pete, what a good one. Fun. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>